We've all heard it before. It's who you know. Welcome to Social Capital, a weekly podcast that dives into social relationships and why the investment you put into them is so important. Your host, Lori Hybe, will connect with industry-leading professionals and dive into their networking experiences and expert advice. Hey, everybody. Lori Hybe here. Welcome to the Social Capital Podcast. Our show notes are found at socialcapitalpodcast.com. If you'd like to get more involved in the conversation, check out our Facebook group at Social Capital Network, a community of trust, reciprocity, and relationships. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn. If you're interested in learning more about marketing, visit keystoneclick.com forward slash webinars. This show is sponsored by Keystone Click. My guest this week is Elisa Ruhr. She's been practicing law for over 20 years, specializing in business and corporate law. Elisa helps you with all aspects of your business, from forming an entity, starting a business, buying or selling a business, drafting, reviewing, and negotiating all types of contracts. Are you starting a new franchise or buying or selling a franchise? Definitely connect with Elisa. Assisting with real estate transactions involving leasing, buying, and selling. She's got you covered. Elisa, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Lori. Well, you've got a lot of good expertise and knowledge to share with our listeners. I'm excited to have you on the show. Um, Let's dive right in. When is it important to find an attorney when starting or buying a business? I think as soon as you know that you want to start you just want to form your entity or you're going to looking to buy a business or start a business. There's a lot of steps. There's a lot of information on the internet and it's all valuable, but you really need to hook up with someone who can make sure that you're protected in terms of making sure that your structure is right, that you filed all the correct forms, that you have everything you need so that you're not scrambling at a later date for documents or for what you need. So the sooner the better is my is always what I tell people. <laughs> so I know when I started mine, you're gonna you're probably gonna cringe. Um, <laughs> I I relied heavily on Google <laughs> uh, for my contracts and the the structures and you know just filing with the state and all of those things. What do you say to people that just say they they're going to Google for you know the templates for these contracts and just to get everything started? You know, it's a great resource. And so the, t- the two drawbacks, and the biggest one came up for people during PPP. I had a lot of lenders calling me because they had people that started their own business and they went ahead and filed their articles online, but they didn't have, they might've gotten the EIN because they had an accountant or CPA, but they didn't have their operating agreement or their shareholders agreement. And you needed that to get the PPP, some of the PPP money. Mm-hmm. So I drafted a lot of those for people. Um, a lot of times people, they, they follow the instructions, but they don't think they're necessary or they use a template for an operating agreement or a contract. And it doesn't always fit their situation. The biggest issue comes up when people are doing a lot of research and they're cutting and pasting from different sources. And then you have a contract that at the end of the day conflicts within itself. And that does not help anyone if an issue arises between partners, members, or if you're sued. So it's a great resource. It's great to read. We all, attorneys go to Google. We pull language off of, off of the internet, but you've got to know where you're inserting it, how it's used, and how it relates to other provisions within a contract. 
That's interesting. So when you said where you're inserting it, does the order of the language impact and have a big impact on what it actually means? It isn't so much where you're inserting it. It's if you're alleged, if you are stating a position or how something's going to work in one provision and then six provisions down, another provision has a similar language, but different outcome. And so mm-hmm. you could have the same because people are cutting and pasting. Sure. So you can pull something that looks good and you put it, you know, in line three and then you get down to line seven and you've got, you like some other language, but it conflicts with part of line three. The issue is where, which one's going to hold up. And usually neither are at the end of the day, but you got to be really careful with that cutting and pasting. So when um, let's look at like the buying and selling component. If, if I were to buy, um, you would that you'd recommend getting an attorney up front early on, not just when you're actually ready to sign a contract. Right. Explain Correct, that a little bit. Because there's a lot of different aspects to it when you're looking to buy. First of all, there's a lot of people you need that are involved that need to look at things. So when people come to me, one of the greatest benefits with my networking in the last few years is I it's the best of the best that I get to work with. So when you, if you come to me at the beginning, when you're starting to look, you know, we can get you with the right lender. We can get you with a CPA. There's other people to look at the documents. So when you take us first, we might do a letter of intent. We might do an asset purchase agreement or stock purchase agreement, but you want to make sure that everything's in there so that you can do your due diligence and that we're bringing other people on, you know, CPAs are great at looking at the financials. So the sooner you bring you know, an attorney on or someone in your network on like a CPA that will hook you up with the other people, like the insurance people, the lenders, the better, because you can waste a lot of time and money, a lot of time too, just trying to see where you're at. Whereas once you get the attorney or you get somebody that's going to work with you, you're able to move forward on it and see whether or not it's actually a viable purchase for you. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, so word on the street is you're literally available 24 seven. Why are you so accessible? <laughs> I am. I should be embarrassed. Um, you know, <laughs> I always feel like a lot of, I mean, with what I do, no one's going to die and no one's going to jail. Now my, my firm partner does criminal. So yes, some people do go to jail, but most of the time when people are calling me at, at unusual hours, meaning, you know, it's 11 o'clock on a Friday night or it's, you know, two o'clock in the morning on a Monday, it's because they're up and they're worried about something. And I always think that if you, if I'm up and my phone rings and I can pick it up, I might as well pick it up and see what's bothering you because chances are it's not that serious. I understand that at the moment it is for you, but we can resolve it. So I just feel as if there's no need for people to have to wait till, you know, eight o'clock on a Monday to call me or, you know, they start worrying about something Sometimes if you just call me, I explain to you why you should be worried or you shouldn't be worried or what we're doing to make sure that nothing negative happens. I have a lot of times I have clients who are working on matters for them and it is forefront in their mind. They're not going to lose their house, they're not going to lose their job, but it's it's all encompassing. And so if I can help you for just a moment, remember that nothing bad is going to happen or we're working on it so nothing bad happens, it helps people feel better. So I think to say, well, I'm not going to pick it up because, you know, I'm at Walmart on a Saturday afternoon and my phone's ringing. I can pick it up while I'm walking through Walmart or Target. Be, why would I wait until Monday to respond to someone? So sure. I am pretty much 24-7. There are a lot of 
Um, there's a couple other attorneys on LinkedIn that I've gotten to know in other states that are the same way. So I'm not the only one. Okay. And obviously my firm partner does the same thing, mostly because he does um, criminal law and we have to be able to respond to those, those people right away. Yeah, we've, we've, um, we've worked with some attor- uh, attorneys that are in criminal law and, and they are basically 24 seven. Yes. Um, so it's interesting on the business side of things, but I, I can appreciate that. I mean, it almost sounds like you're a therapist at some point. It's like, let's talk through the challenge and you're going to survive, right? right. <laughs> I'll make you feel better and we're going to work on it. Or we'll, yeah. Yeah, we'll see what's happening. Yes, uh, exactly. Awesome. That's great. All right. Well, um, the goal of this show is really uh, to help alleviate the pains that people have around networking. So I'm just going to take a quick little commercial break here, and then we're going to dive into networking. So um, just one moment. Social Capital is sponsored by Keystone Click. Located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Keystone Click is a strategic digital marketing agency focused on helping their clients generate and nurture opportunities online. For Social Capital listeners, they've created an awesome Guide to Profits booklet featuring 42 tips on how to build brand awareness, generate leads, and nurture those opportunities online. Visit keystoneclick.com backslash profits to download your own guide today. Great. Welcome back. Okay. So Elisa, networking, it's something that um, sometimes people hear this word and they're just absolutely terrified. So let's alleviate that fear. Can you share with our listeners one of your most successful or favorite networking stories that you had? I Okay, so I just started networking about two and a half years ago and it is amazing. You get to reach out and meet the most incredible people that can help your clients. It isn't so much about gathering leads for yourself. It's more, what who can I meet that, I, that can help my clients? Um, my best networking story is a LinkedIn one. About a year and a half ago, it was, and I'll try to make it short, but it was, um, Labor Day, and I was at work working, and a heavy hitter, Joe Wall at the time on LinkedIn, posted a picture of himself about a business, and he had cotton candy. And I realized it was Labor Day, and I had not had any cotton candy all summer. And I, I commented, I haven't had cotton candy all summer. I've been in my office. And within five or six minutes, he responded and said, somebody get this girl cotton candy. And within another four or five minutes, um, one of the top producers of organic cotton candy who actually supplies to Disney called me and messaged on LinkedIn that he was sending me a case of his cotton candy. And he did. And I was just blown away. And then that other people were hit, were, I don't know what the right word is other than just surprised, I think. And there were a bunch of attorneys out in New York that caught on to that because they knew who he was. And they thought it was kind of an amazing situation because, you know, it's a little Elisa from Wisconsin and all these big time attorneys and these people out in New York. And one of the attorneys works in Miami and I am licensed in Florida as well as Wisconsin. And he and I have been doing business now. So to me, that's just amazing. Love it. And locally, I have met some of the most amazing people during COVID as well. You were one of the people I was on. a I was on a Zoom with you. I didn't know who you were. And somebody asked a question about marketing. Four different marketing people gave an answer, all fluffy. And you came out with an answer, a real answer with a number. And I remember thinking, oh, I've got to get to know her. That's what my (laughs) clients need, the person with the real answer. So locally, it's been incredible. It's just, it's been amazing to me. Yeah, I love the cotton candy story. And now I'm thinking, when was the last time I had cotton candy? He's amazing. He sends me cotton candy and I'm a huge supporter of his. We order it for the 
for our offices once a month and then he sends it to us once in a while. But oh, that's fun. It's amazing. Yeah. What a great story. Thank you for sharing that. And thanks for the little nice shout out for me as well. I appreciate that. It's true though. <laughs> well, I, I've really enjoyed getting to know you. And, and that's one of the things I think is in a, you know, a positive of COVID is it's changed the networking game and it's opened up the doors significantly to who you can connect with and how you can connect with them. Right. Exactly. It's amazing. And then you can help your clients. It's always about what can I do to elevate my client's business and how they function. So yeah, it's been amazing. So how do you stay in front of and nurture these relationships that you're creating? I think a lot of it is just continuously showing up for for the networking events, because it does after a while, I think Zoom is more, this is a personal statement. I'm better in person. I find Zoom more exhausting than when you're in person, but I think that you have to stay on it. You have to, even if you're, you know, your desk is covered with work and you think, well, I still need to show up to this event because other people may need something that I have or may need a contact that I have. The other part of it that I feel very strongly about, and I've been very fortunate because a lot of the networking groups that I'm in feel the same way that when we get a referral from someone, that is, I mean, obviously we all treat everyone. Every time my phone rings, I treat everyone with the same amount of respect and I'm grateful my phone is ringing. At the same time, if you refer someone to me, you are really putting yourself out there because if I don't take care of them, that's a poor reflection on you. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the the joint feelings that all the people in a couple of my networking groups have is that when we get a referral, we are so grateful that we realize what we do impacts not just the person that needs the assistance, but the person that gave the referral. And so we all treat each other that way. And so there's this mutual respect with these groups of people. And I think it just betters all of our clients and it betters ourselves and our own, our own work. There's so much truth to that. A hundred percent is how you respond and react to that referral actually is a huge reflection on, on you as a human being. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I mean, if I were to send you an opportunity or, or just to make a connection and I find out that you didn't follow through, then what would encourage me to want to do that ever again? It, exactly. And it's so, we're all so grateful. I mean, I, I, I just got two referrals this morning from someone. And I said, thank you so much because I know they're good people because the people that are referring them, I respect and I do a lot of work with. So I know they're bringing the right people in front of me. And when I refer out, I'm referring the right people back to them. That's great. I love that. And but it's, you gotta it's, stay, you gotta stay focused on it. You, you know, we all have bad days. We all have days where we can't see straight. We've got so much work, but you have to do it because it's, you don't, you never know who needs you or who you need. I've been to some events where it's been, I'm just, I've got so much on my plate. And I think, well, if I don't, you know, if I don't sit down on this from four to five, I'll get out of here by 10 o'clock at night. Otherwise I'm be here till 11, but you go on and you realize you talk to someone and they're like, they, someone new comes in or someone comes up and you realize after sitting through 10 meetings with these people, these Zoom things, they mention something else they do. And you're like, hey, I have four clients that need that. I didn't know you did it. Yep. And that's a plus for my clients. Yep, absolutely. It's it's um, reinforcing the the individual's strengths and their expertise. And, you know, any like anything, it's repetition. You need that repetition, not only to be aware of, 
those in your network and how they can be a resource to your contacts, but also um, for you to remain top of mind in other people's minds so that they're sending you the opportunities and connections. Exactly. Exactly. I agree. And the longer you're in groups, the same group, the more you learn about each person. And a lot of times you don't understand what they do. Right. It took me a little while to understand what you do. And I've been on other meetings with you. Where I'm like, I did not realize that was part of what she does. And then, <laughs> okay, that's another resource for my clients. So what advice would you offer the business professional who's looking to grow their network? You have to take chances. You have to be willing to step into some networks that you're not sure if you belong there or not. You also have to know when to leave. There are some networking groups I've been in where I am not a good fit for them. I just know it. And so you have to be able to say, all right, this isn't working for me or, and it's not working for them. So I need to move to another group and find another group that works better for you um, in terms of what you, what you can bring to the table for other people and then what they can bring to you for your client base. But I don't think there's any shame in moving around and trying different groups and then saying, sometimes people outgrow, outgrow groups. I've heard people say that I'm in mm-hmm. one group I love and I've been in it for a long for a long time. Well, for my it's almost two and a half years now since I started networking. And some people say, well, I've outgrown it and that's fine for them. I obviously haven't outgrown it. I think it's a great group. So you just have to accept that sometimes maybe you do outgrow things, maybe you don't. I think that's great advice to share. Um, and and I appreciate that it's it's okay to leave a group, even though, um, I don't know about you, but sometimes I definitely have the FOMO kicking in. Yeah, <laughs> and, um, exactly. So I, I want to do everything. I want to go to all the events. I want to connect with all the people. But the reality is what's important for you to help you achieve your goals. And yeah, you may be outgrowing an organization or a group. So that's okay. You can still check in every once in a while. Exactly. Exactly. And you've got to find the right group. It's just, you know, it's not that it's clicks. It's just what's the right group for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Here's a fun one. If you could go back to your 20 year old self, what would you tell yourself to do more of less of or differently with regards to your professional career? That is an interesting question. I think that I would definitely tell myself I needed to network earlier on. And I wasted <laughs> a lot, number of years not networking. So I think that's one. I think this, the, the biggest thing I would have told myself is, well, one is technology. I've never, ever been a big technology person. I've only really gotten into it in the last five to six years, and I love it now. So I probably would tell myself to take a little more interest in technology, even you know from 20 years ago. Um, there isn't anything I wouldn't have done. I think that I've, I, you know, I got out of um, undergrad. I've always worked and gone to school full time. I got my master's degree. Then when I had enough money, I could go to law school. So there isn't anything that I would do different because it gave me experiences that I had and I met people that have played into my life all along. Um, I think the one thing that's interesting that I do share with a lot of people is the one of the largest transitions that I had was a year and a half ago and I didn't have anything to do with it. I was working with another attorney referring, who's now my firm partner, Michael Torfey, um, litigates and does criminal. We met through a mutual client and he said we should merge. And I'm like, I'm not merging. I, I, I'm better by myself, but I'll refer to you. And he's a great litigator, brilliant. 
I say that, and he is. And I was referring to him and he said, we really should merge. This was after about a year and a half. And I'm like, I really don't want to merge my practice. I'm used to just running on my own. It's easier, but I'm still referring to you. It's great. It's great. And one Saturday I was sitting at my desk at work and I got an email and I'm looking to the left at it as I'm drafting a document. I'll never forget it. And he merged us without telling me. <laughs> and I don't really think you're supposed to do that. Then he called me three minutes later and said, I'm at Chase Bank. Can you come down? And I'm like, what are you doing? He says, I just merged us. I don't care what you think. We're merging. Come down here. We're opening up business accounts. And it's a great story. And it's funny. But the truth is, it actually, it's just, it's taken us a year and a half to get our act together. Um, but it's actually working. It was probably one of the best decisions I didn't make that someone else made for me. Wow. And I, well, I would, <laughs> ironically, from a legal standpoint, there's so many things wrong with that. Oh, do you have, well, I tell people the worst part is I had clients hang up on me when I told them because I don't believe in having a partnership. I don't believe in having a partner. I think it's risky. I, and I had clients that were hanging up on me who I've been telling for 12 and 15 years, don't get a partner, don't get a partner. And then this happened. And yes, you have no idea. We had it set up. We were operating without an operating agreement. I mean, I'm honest about all of it because things do happen and I'm laughing as I'm saying it now but it, it is what it is but it's worked out so I've gotten a little less um judgmental when people say they want to have a partner well that's good that's good um yeah it's an interesting story <laughs> sure, actually. I probably shouldn't share that but I do uh, well now it's now it's public it's <laughs> Um, all right, Elisa. So we've all heard of the six degrees of separation. Who is the one person that you love to connect with? And do you think you can do it within the sixth degree? That's, there's so many people that I would like to connect with. I think that there's been few people that I have wanted to connect with that I've been able to. Um, there is one, there's one attorney that's on, that's, um, how do I put this? That's on LinkedIn that posts a lot. And I've met other people around him and I really would like to reach out to him, but I'm, and I could do it directly. Actually, I well, one degree, one degree. I could do it one degree, but I'm just afraid to, it's sort of like one of those where the person's so high up that you think, I just don't want to do that. But at the same time, I'm only one degree away. So I think I have a better chance. I just have to get brave and do it. What, what's stopping you? Other than I think that I don't ever want to be in someone's way or make someone have to spend time on something they don't want to. So I'm, I'm more of the type of person that waits for someone to connect to me than I connect with them. But I have talked to a couple other people that are connected and they've said, he'll connect to you and he'll talk to you. And I've had a couple different experiences where I've connected with people that I'm surprised they can, you know, they'll, cause everybody, some people are more careful with who they do and don't connect with. And then they call me and I'm thinking, you know, it's like, you think you're talking to like a Supreme court judge or something like that's how sometimes I take those things. And so I don't really, now that you're saying that I'm thinking I probably should this afternoon use my one, my, my one degree away and can see if I can connect with that person. I definitely think you should. <laughs> Why, what, what's the worst that could happen? Uh, Nothing, right? That's exactly right. <laughs> I just always think that, well, let's see, maybe one day and then 
That's a very good point. I might have to do that this afternoon. <laughs> okay. All right, Elisa, I'm going to give you an opportunity to interview me. What is something you'd like to ask me? Do you, I do. I have a, actually a very serious question for you because you are always on top of everything. You have your numbers. You know what works and doesn't work. You must constantly, constantly been reading, be reading and continuously learning because marketing and social media change all all this the technology everything changes the algorithms i mean do you do you ever not read i i somehow i vision you <laughs> spending like half your day reading i i'm constantly learning yes and okay. i would say a personal core value which is a core value of my business is education okay so um every every team member has a quarterly educational goal, and then they teach each other what's going on. Um, as far as like who I'm following, I'm definitely following the thought leaders in the marketing space and I read the headlines. And if there's new platforms, I engage on the platforms to learn it. I teach myself a lot of these things. I listen to podcasts. I attend conferences and webinars. I mean, that I have to in, in the industry that I'm in, that's constantly changing. I guess at the very least, my goal is to always be at least one step ahead of my clients so that if someone comes to me, you know, for example, the latest, greatest platform is Clubhouse right now. And someone says, should I be on Clubhouse? I want to be able to answer that question intelligently. So yeah, education is important. All right. That makes sense because you are all, that's a very good way to put it. You are always one step ahead. Very interesting. Good question and, and uh, good observation on your part as well. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Do you have any final word or advice to offer our listeners with regards to growing and supporting your network? I think that you just have to always remember that your clients and, and the, your customers are, and everyone knows this, are very important. And when you're in your networking groups, you have to look at all the people that you're with, that they're your customers, your clients as well, and that you're both going to work together to help each other's clients and customers so that their businesses do better. Because when my clients succeed, I succeed. Mm -hmm. um, so I just feel like that's the best way to stay in front of your network and just remember what the purpose is. Totally. Absolutely. I think that's, that's really sound advice is to really remember what the purpose is, why, why you're there and what is it you're trying to achieve. That, that's great. Thank you so much, Elisa, for being on the show today. Thank you for having me, Lori. Absolutely. This wraps up our episode of Social Capital. A huge thank you to Elisa for taking the time to connect with us. If you'd like to continue the conversation on networking and building your community, definitely check out our Facebook group. Um, if you want to send me a message, shoot me an email at lori at socialcapitalpodcast.com. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. That's all for this episode of the Social Capital Podcast. Visit socialcapitalpodcast.com for show notes, more episodes, and to see who will be on the show next. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next episode.